This is Dr. Benny Tate, and you're listening to the Leeds Club Podcast, all about leadership, personal growth, and encouraging you in your walk with God. Our goal is simple, to help you lead like you never have before in your church, business, home, or whatever platform God has given you. Our next Lead Club session begins now. Greetings, and allow me to take this opportunity to welcome you to this recording of our Leeds uh, CD. I thank you for joining in. Simply what we want to do is to help you and your church or your organization get to the next level, and that's why we do this recording. I want to talk to you about something today that I believe is going to be very beneficial. It's going to be very beneficial to every person listening to this recording. I want to talk to you about taking the fear out of confrontation. Taking the fear out of confrontation. Now, I am convinced that none of us enjoy confrontation. Nobody enjoys it. If you enjoy it, you probably need therapy. But also know this, confrontation is a part of leading. It's a part of leading people. They will be times and they will be periods of confrontation. And as I prepared this study, I began to think about taking the fear out of confrontation. And I'll tell you why I think I'm prepared to teach it. I'm prepared to teach it because I have confronted correctly, but I also have confronted incorrectly. And I've learned some things along the way about confrontation. Let me give you the key points of this lesson. Number one, make sure if you have an issue, you resolve it quickly. Make sure when you're confronting an issue that you resolve it quickly. I get this from the Scripture. The Scripture tells us to let not the sun go down upon your wrath in Ephesians 4 and 26. Do you realize that 70% of complaining customers will continue doing business with a business if they resolve their problem? Now, that's interesting. Seven out of ten say, I had a bad experience, and I'll continue doing business if my problem is resolved. But listen to this. 95% will continue doing business if it's resolved immediately. So here's what I'd say. If you've got some confrontational issue, issues, make sure you resolve it quickly. The second thing I'd say to you is confrontation is a skill and it can be learned. Confrontation is a skill and it can be learned. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be doing this lesson today for pastors and Christian leaders. And number three, realize some people are emotionally unhealthy and bring conflict wherever they go. Realize some people are emotionally unhealthy and they simply bring conflict wherever they go. Now, why are we afraid of conflict? Well, let me give you some reasons why I believe we're afraid of conflict. First of all, we are afraid it will make matters worse. 
If I confront this situation, if I confront this person, it will make matters worse. Proverbs 27 and 5 says this, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke is better than secret love. We're afraid to confront because we say, if I confront this issue, it will make things worse. There's a second reason why we're afraid of conflict. We want to be liked and accepted. We want to be liked and accepted. And if I hurt their feelings, I risk hurting the relationship. But think about this. If you have an issue, what do you really have like it is? If there's a conflict between you that's unresolved, really, what kind of relationship do you have like it is? And then the third thing that I think why we're afraid to, of conflict, it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable. And I understand. I have a type A personality, and I think it's probably more comfortable to confront if you do have a type A personality. But I want to say, even from my perspective, when you care about somebody, it's difficult. When you love somebody, it's difficult to confront. So why are we afraid of conflict? Number one, we're afraid it will make matters worse. Number two, we want to be liked and accepted. Number three, it makes us uncomfortable. And then number four, we lack the skills to confront. We lack the skills to confront. And certainly, I hope to help you with that. I read a book by a man by the name of Terry Felber. And Terry Felber said in his book, the title of the book was, Am I Making Myself Clear? And he gave principles for confrontation. These were eight of the principles that Terry gave in that book. He said, first of all, anything can be worked out. And I believe that's true. There's no problem too big to solve, only people too small to solve the problem. Anything can be worked out. He said, number two, deal with the issue at hand. He said, number three, keep a low tone of voice. He said, number four, depersonalize, depersonalize everything. He said, number five, there are two sides to every story. That is so true. Sometimes instead of putting people in their place, we need to put ourselves in their place. He said, number six, Ask for forgiveness. I like that. He said, ask for forgiveness. He said, even if you were right, you can always say, I am sorry that I upset you. I am sorry that you're hurt. I'm sorry that it came across that way. He said, always ask for forgiveness. He said, number seven, never discuss a confrontational issue on the phone, text, email. No, no. It needs to be face-to-face. And the, le- the best-case scenario is face-to-face, but certainly a phone 
would be far better than a text or an email because so much can be read into that. Number eight, never talk about a confrontational issue when you are tired. Never talk about a confrontational issue when you're tired. Now, why is it necessary? We talked about nobody likes confrontation. But why is it necessary to confront? Well, let me give you some reasons. Number one, to fix the problem or align or realign the team. To fix the problem or align or realign the team. Many times we have to confront. To fix a problem in our organization, in our church, or to align or realign the team and get the team back on the right track. There's a second reason why I believe uh, it's important that we confront. is because it keeps the relationship honest. It keeps the relationship honest. I remember several months back, I had a staff member who, uh, I was in a meeting with this staff member, and the staff member uh, began to really unload on me. He began to unload some frustration, some uh, misunderstanding to me, just shared his heart. And I looked at him after that, and I said, do you feel better? He said, I really do. I said, you could have felt better months ago, months ago if you had talked to me. You could have felt better months ago if you just came to me. And what it would have done, it would have kept our relationship honest. And when you confront, it keeps the relationship honest. Now, let me give you you some steps. If you're leading, if you're a leader, you're going to have to confront. I'll promise you, you can't always pass the buck. You can't always kick the can down the road. You can't always uh, push it under the rug. There's times that you will have to confront. So let me give you some steps to confronting. Number one, when you're confronting, gather all your facts first. Before you go into the meeting, gather all of your facts first. Because if you don't gather all of your facts first, you'll find you'll be blindsided. So make sure, make sure to be ready and have your facts in order. Number two, ask yourself, is this problem accidental or intentional? What the person's doing that you're confronting, is it accidental or is it intentional? And really what you're asking is, what is the motive What is the motive? See, I think it's okay, I tell my team, it's okay to question somebody's head, but we don't want to question their heart. It's okay to question how they do something, but let's don't question why they do it. It's okay to question somebody's methods, but let's don't question their motivation. And we look at it and say, is the problem accidental or intentional? Many times we just need clarity. And I would say on this point, 
Try to give people the benefit of the doubt. The third thing I'd say to you when confronting, prepare for their response. Because I want you to know, when you're confronting somebody, they're going to have a response. They're going to have an argument. So seek first to understand (laughs) and then be understood. Seek first to understand and then be understood. So prepare for the response. The fourth thing I'd say when you're dealing with a confrontational issue is make sure the right people are in the room. Make sure the right people are in the room. This avoids the blame game. Make sure all necessary parties are in the room. Every person is involved in the room before the confrontation begins. And number five, explain the problem. Explain the problem. Many times when I'm dealing with a confrontational issue, I always use the sandwich method. And what I'm talking about with a sandwich, I take the bread and I address the person and I usually begin by thanking them for what they've done, what they've done for the organization, what they've done for me personally. I begin with affirmation, just thanking the person. But then I get to the meat. I appreciate what you've done, but here's the issue. Here's the problem at hand. This is, this is the meat. And then I end, of course, with a piece of bread, and I convey their value. I want you to know you're valuable to me, you're valuable to this organization. So I'd say when you're dealing with confrontation, make sure you explain the problem. Number six, try to be calm. (laughs) Try to be calm. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath. Billy Graham said, Hot heads and cold hearts. Don't solve anything. And when I'm dealing with confrontation, when I have to deal with issues, I've learned the higher the self-esteem of a person, the easier it is to confront them. Because if they have a low self-esteem, many times they feel like you're approaching them and you're saying, I'm not a good person or, you know, uh, I'm not good. I don't have good values. I'm of no value. And Certainly, you're not saying that, but many times if they have a low self-esteem, confrontation can be difficult. Number seven, repeat the issue and restate what you expect. An understanding avoids a misunderstanding. People are down on what they're not up on. Repeat the issue and restate what you expect. Number eight, make sure you part, make sure you leave each other in the right spirit. If you're not leaving in the right spirit, you're not, you, you shouldn't be leaving. Make sure after the confrontation that you're leaving in the right spirit. There was a man by the name of David Whitlow from the hills of Tennessee taught me as a young preacher. He said, Pastor, when you have a relationship with somebody, and you have conflict. If you don't resolve the conflict, you never had much relationship. 
I could not agree more. Because if you had relationship, you will resolve the conflict. Let me give you some final thoughts in this recording. The first thing I'd say to you, it's not confrontation that breaks the relationship. It's how it's handled. It's not confrontation that breaks the relationship. It's how it's handled. The second thing I've said many times to couples, attack the problem, not the person. <laughs> I say to couples, attack the problem, not each other. Because remember, there's no problem too big to solve, only people too small to solve the problem. The third thing I'd say as I wrap this lesson up, think of confrontation as clarification, not conflict. Think of confrontation as clarification, not conflict. And the fourth thing, you'll never have an honest relationship or grow an organization without conflict. You'll never have an honest relationship or grow an organization without conflict. If you study the Bible... Great men of the Bible. In Acts chapter 15, you know the story. Paul and Barnabas were getting ready for the second missionary journey. And Barnabas said, uh, we need to take Mark. And Paul said, no, no. Mark quit on the first missionary journey. And we're not going to take him on this one. And there was confrontation. And they parted ways. And you remember... Paul and Silas from that point on traveled and Barnabas and Mark traveled together because great men in the Bible, in the Bible, had confrontation. If you study Galatians 2 and 1, there was confrontation between Paul and Peter, two great men of God. But Peter later referred to Paul as our beloved brother. They resolve the confrontation. We just celebrated our independence as a nation. Two of our founding fathers, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, had great confrontation. For 12 years, they didn't even speak. After Jefferson was elected our third president, John Adams would not even go to his inauguration because the confrontation was so great between them. But before they died, they reconciled two of our founding fathers, and both of them, ironically, died on the same day, July the 4th, 1826, the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Our Independence. If you study the great religious leaders of the 18th century, George Whitfield, who was a strong Calvinist, John Wesley, who was an Arminian, they had great differences they had great theological debates. Many times there was conflicts. But do you realize when Whitfield died, there was three memorial services and John Wesley preached every one of them. Whitfield was asked on one occasion. He and Wesley were at great odds during this time. And Whitfield was asked, do you think when you get to heaven you'll see John Wesley. And Whitfield responded by saying no. 
And the reporter got up real close. And then Whitfield said these words. No, I won't see him because Wesley will be so close to the throne of God. And I will be so far away, I'll not see John Wesley. Let me say something to you. Confrontation leaders is a part of leadership. It's a part of getting relationships to the next level. It's a part of getting your organization to the next level. I'm beginning my 29th year as the pastor of Rock Springs Church. And there's never been times that we didn't have periods of confrontation and periods of conflict. Paul Harvey said, you can always tell when you're on the road to success. It's uphill all the way. Yes, there will be confrontation. It's a part of leadership. It's a part of what we have to do And it's so important that we do it correctly. My passion, my heart, pastors and leaders, is simply to help you. That's why you receive this CD free of cost. We pay for the production. We pay for the postage. Because simply I want to pour into leaders. What would you ask from me, uh, Brother Benny? I would ask, first of all, you take the lesson and you use it. But if I could ask something from you, I would love to hear from you. I would love for you to drop us an email. I'd love for you to contact us and just say, hey, I enjoy receiving. I enjoy receiving the CD free of cost. It's been a blessing to me because that's why we do it. So what you can do for me, I would just love to hear from you. Again, my heart is to help pastors and Christian leaders. I want to encourage you to put something on your calendar. The date is March 1st and 2nd, 2019. At Rock Springs Church, we're having Defy the Odds Conference. Uh, If you feel like the odds are against you and you want to grow your church, I want to encourage you to put this on your date. You say, how can I register? Simply go to dtoconference.com. It's that simple, dtoconference.com. Or you can call the church at 770-229-8663. We're going to have breakout sessions. We're going to have the full Rock Springs worship experience. You're going to be able to see what we do on Sunday. They're going to be Q&A. They're going to be selective classes. We're going to be literally taking you through every aspect of ministry that we do at Rock Springs Church and pouring into you, pouring into your staff, This is for Christian leaders. This is for staff members. This is for laity. This is for church, helping churches get to the next level. So again, you can register at dtoconference.com or just contact our church. We'll give you all the information. The date, March the 1st and 2nd. On that Friday night, we're going to have a full-fledged Rock Spring service like we have on Sunday morning. Saturday morning, we'll begin. I'll be teaching. We'll have breakout sessions with all of our leaders showing you every aspect of ministry at Rock Springs Church. Thank you so much for being a part of this recording. Allow me to pray for you before we part. Let us pray. Jesus, we love you. And I pray for pastors. I pray for Christian leaders. 
I pray that you will just encourage that pastor right now that might be dealing with a confrontational issue or maybe need to address something. I pray that you will give them the courage, maybe perhaps take principles from this lesson and use it as they deal with the issue they need to. I pray your blessings upon every person that will listen to this. Give them fruit for their labor. Help them to realize that God's not called everybody to build a megachurch. God's not called us to be famous. He's not called us to be successful. He's simply called us to be faithful. And I pray that you will add your blessing to pastors, their mates, their staffs. For I pray this prayer in Christ's name for Jesus' sake. Amen. God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's Leeds Club session. We hope you feel encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information or resources about leadership, be sure and check out our website at rockspringsonline.com slash leadership. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, personal growth, and encouragement. As you walk with God, we want to help you get to the next level.